0: Welcome to Your Truth Revealed, a podcast that explores your hidden physical and mental health potential. I'm Eric Marcoux, and I share with you the power of self-knowledge. I interview industry professionals to talk about how you can be your own mental health expert. You're listening to Episode 26, Know Your Child's Trauma. This is the second part of an interview with Counselor Carrie Cooper, and we talk about how systemic chronic trauma affects the development of a child's and teenager's brain and the long-term effects it can have. Trauma is common, but its effects don't have to be. This is a quote from Spirit Reigns where Carrie is a clinical director helping children and teens heal with support from counselors and therapeutic horses.
1: Being a teenager, it is a difficult time. I think a lot of us went through a rebellious stage, but it seems like it's amplified now. Statistically, we're seeing increased anxiety and depression. And honestly, as parents, we have to be careful. Our gut instinct is to say, don't stress about it. But we really have to own that for that kid, that is pain. Pain is pain.
0: Carrie has a master's degree in counseling from Webster University in St. Louis, Missouri, and has been licensed for 25 years. She's a counselor, supervisor, program developer, trainer, and public speaker. Listen as Carrie and I discuss common problems that teens face today and how to help them. What do you think it's like for the horse working with these kids and teenagers? What do you think it's like for them?
1: every child gets a horse an equine professional and a therapist i think our equine professionals would say that our horses are like our kids they've all got their own personalities and some horses are incredibly curious some are a little bit shy some are very social and want to engage
0: is there a consideration about the type of kid and the type of horse that they get paired with
1: yeah, we try to make it gentle. We tell the kids they have an opportunity to develop a relationship with any horse they want to okay. on the property. And sometimes we'll encourage one direction or another. If it's a kid who lacks a lot of self esteem, gets discouraged real easily, we may try to gently encourage them toward a horse that's a little more social, that'll engage okay. a little bit easier. But we really let
0: them have that power
1: to choose.
0: And what's their experience? What's the journey that these kids or teenagers go through?
1: It's a beautiful journey. Most of our kids are there for 9 to 12 months their relationship with their horse is the beginning of them learning what relationships really look like and then they can transfer that into their family life, their peer life, their teacher.
0: What is the main thing that they can learn from their relationship with the horse that they then transfer to their family? What quality do they learn?
1: A lot of our teen girls, if they've come from a difficult background, one of their ways of coping is to be compliant. Whatever the peers are doing, they're just going to say, okay, even if they really don't want to, they haven't found their voice. Mm -hmm. And we really work with them about finding their voice. If the horse is crowding them or walking over them, having them set boundaries and say, I can still be in a relationship with you, but have some space.
0: It's almost like they developed passivity in order to cope and teaching them how to be more assertive in relationships.
1: Right. Another coping mechanism might be to be very aggressive. It's my way or no way. Well, you can't really move a horse if they don't (laughs) want to be moved. (laughs) You cannot physically move a horse. And how are we going to engage that in a relationship versus force? There are so many life lessons. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: At Spirit Reigns, you've done a lot of work with teenagers, and how is their path more difficult?
1: Being a teenager without any trauma is is hard. Dramatic, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it is a difficult time. I remember growing up, I think a lot of us went through a rebellious stage, but it seems like it's amplified now, it that where it's a lot less healthy than I think what it might have been in, in the past. What? When I was in private practice, I was near a pretty affluent school, and I was shocked at how difficult those kids' lives were. Some of them were in quite pain about peer relations and social media and pressures of academically kids being pressured to pick what they want to be in their life in eighth grade
0: is it the school system that's putting them under that kind of pressure to decide
1: i'm not sure where that pressure comes from i know with my own child's journey going into ninth Mm -hmm. their academic calendar the classes they were choosing were based on what they thought they wanted to be
0: part of me is like that's a joke i mean When you're 14 years old, your brain is not even fully developed. I mean, not until you're even 25. So to put that kind of pressure on our kids, I don't know how much sense that makes.
1: It doesn't seem to make sense. And we're feeling the repercussions of that. I think the combination of student loan debt with a lot of trades, jobs, paying so well, we're seeing a backlash. And the kids we see have experienced trauma, so they have all that Mm -hmm. on top of not having those loving, supportive relationships or not having what they needed academically. In the foster care world, it's very common for kids to move from school to school. For them to have that same academic pressure and have attended 10 different schools, If you're worried about where your next meal's coming from or whether your parent's sober or not, you're not studying. That's not your priority. For our kids, that's even a harder pressure. And if you don't know how to relate to people real well, you don't know how to build connected relationships. And then to be in peer relationships is difficult as they are. But if you're in foster care and you're being dropped off, that's the last thing any teenager wants to do is be different from all their peers. So there's all those additional challenges onto those teen years.
0: And some of those teen behaviors and their effort to try and cope with that stress are not always healthy. And it can be scary for adults to watch.
1: And they might have worked for them. For our kids who don't know how to build relationships, it honestly may not have been safe for them to have a connected relationship because the people around them may not have been safe. When they come in cursing or refusing to participate or yelling at their guardian in the waiting room, those are the parents that are really exasperated because they're the ones an hour later going in saying, hey, can we talk about what just happened? And they're still getting told, Mm -hmm. F you, no, I don't want to talk to you. It looks a little differently for those kiddos who don't have that resource to even tap into.
0: In terms of all adolescents, I see so much happening across the board with the difficulty of parenting a teenager, and there just seems to be themes that are happening that are really concerning. Um, One of the things that I've noticed is a lot of cutting. I had a teenager tell me, well, I was in pain. So I went to YouTube, watched a YouTube video, and it said to alleviate pain, just try cutting yourself. And she said, oh, it worked for that moment. So it's almost like the teenagers are trying to teach themselves. And that is frightening to look at because there are so many other ways that they can help themselves and practice coping mechanisms that don't include self-harm. And that's just one example.
1: Yeah, I had to quit the way I was doing my intake interviews because I would say things like, oh, do you do any self-harming behavior? And kids would say no. And then two or three sessions later, I'm like, you've got these scratches on you. Oh, well, you didn't ask me if I was cutting. It's such a norm and it's so common. Same way with drug use. I I have to start asking specifics (laughs) because if I say, have you done any illegal drug use in the last 30 days? No. And then 10 minutes later, they're telling me they're smoking weed.
0: I've had the same thing when I ask, "Okay, are you doing drugs? Well, no. And then later I found out that they are. Well, I thought you do meant daily.
1: Yeah. And like prescription drugs, they think that doesn't count. It's
0: just a different threshold of behavior than what we used to have. But when I look back at my life, going to public school in Austin, Texas, it seems Pollyanna compared to what I'm hearing about, and not only for my teenage daughter, but just out and about, and some of my clients are teenagers, it just worries me. And I even hear, well, hey, this is our generation, and we're rebelling against the norm. But it's in such a self-destructive way. Like there are other ways to rebel or have your own voice, or to be like, hey, this is my generation, there just seems to be so much happening around mental health.
1: Yeah, it does seem to be a lot around mental health. There are some really good things, like we're seeing kid activists and a lot of gender identity, whereas in the past it was you are what you are, and any of those feelings tap them down. So there is some self-acceptance. We see a lot of kids being able to choose who they really want to love. 20 years ago, that wasn't an option. So there's some fabulous things in that arena. But yeah, I agree. I think statistically, we're seeing increased anxiety and depression.
0: There's so much. And again, I hear things like this kid is having such problems and is trying this medication and it didn't work. And this kid over here is suicidal and had to go to inpatient. I hear so much of it among the general teen population. And I'm thinking, did this happen 30 years ago or 40 years ago? I just can't seem to wrap my brain around what's going on. Yeah, I really can't either.
1: But my gut is it's a little of both. Back in our day,
0: you just (laughs) suffered, right? And you didn't talk about it.
1: If someone was sad, they were just sad.
0: I had a lot of anxiety in high school and also as a high performer. I got good grades. And when I look back, yeah, it could have been a better experience. But maybe this is the other side of the pendulum. I felt like we had a certain amount of grit. Yes, it's stressful and you can do it anyway. There was inner strength, independence and resiliency that I'm not necessarily seeing in our teenagers today.
1: Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I think one of the differences might be, not to blame social media, but peer relations in general are not as healthy. Sexting and bullying, I just saw on social media another suicide and they've related it to bullying now they're harassing you on social media there's pictures being shared and it takes it to a whole nother level one of my kiddos that was being bullied the person was just constantly on all their social media accounts just putting messages and messages and harassing friends and making up accounts and putting things yeah. yeah on there that from people that don't even actually exist
0: And it's hard for these teenagers to know what's real and what's true. They're responding to all these fake accounts and fake things that maybe someone really said or didn't really say. They don't know what's real anymore, and that's extremely stressful.
1: It is extremely stressful, and honestly, as parents, we have to be careful. Our gut instinct is to say, five years from now, you're not even going to remember who these people are or their heart broken over their love we want to discount that and just say don't stress about
0: it but we really have to own that for that kid that is pain pain is pain and that informs future relationships it's not like you have that one love it's an isolated event because when you move on into your 20s you carry all that with you
1: absolutely honestly I wouldn't want to go back (laughs) No, the flip side to that is with love and nurturance, it does pass. One of the things I want to tell every teenager, what you're feeling today, it does get better. When kids start feeling like as bad as I feel right now, this is how I'm always going to feel. And that's when things start going south. We see a lot of value in our kids just being on the ranch okay. and having the fresh inside. air. Horses aren't stalled. It's 125 acres. So there's a lot of opportunity for walking. And we've had clients say the minute we come in the gates, we just feel
0: like
1: a pressure release, right?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are specific methods you use at Spirit Rains to help children and adolescents impacted by trauma? I know a lot of it has to do with perception right
1: yeah absolutely kids will see something on social media and just assume that someone else's life is better because they're at a party but meanwhile i'm at home and being able to really look at that perspective about well last week you were at a party Mm -hmm. and that friend might have been at home and about them seeing who they are This is all true to life. So if I'm running late in the morning and I have my coffee cup and I spill it on myself and I think to myself, oh, I'm so clumsy. I'm always spilling something. I'm always dropping something. And then later in the day, you drop your pen. You're like, see, I'm clumsy. I'm still dropping my pen. I'm stubbing my toe. I'm just a clumsy person.
0: You're looking for evidence to support that belief
1: yeah our brains are wired to confirm what we already believe and that's just brain wiring and so i believe i'm clumsy so i'm going to look for every evidence that i'm clumsy versus that same exact day could happen i spill my coffee and i'm like oh my goodness i was kind of rushing a little bit i should slow down i don't ever even notice that i drop a pin later in the day or something else because i haven't put that belief out there that i'm clumsy my perspective is determining how I view things. This is so important with trauma because our parents that are raising children with trauma histories have to see through a trauma lens. When you have a toddler who's gone without food, now at your house, you run out of Cheerios and you say, sorry, but we have Fruit Loops, and they just throw a
0: huge conniption fit.
1: Their perspective is, oh my gosh, we're in a situation where we don't have enough.
0: And what you can say in that situation is that I get you feel like we don't have enough. And you know what we're going to do? We'll go to the grocery store tomorrow and we'll get the Cheerios. And for now, here's something to eat. Yeah, absolutely.
1: In fact, one of the things we do at the ranch, if we see a kid kind of disintegrating in the waiting room, we'll ask, hey, are you
0: hungry? Do you want a snack?
1: Because we know kids that have had trauma aren't always able to tap into their body and know what's going on, but they just know something's not right.
0: With all these different ways that you're working with these kids, all these different modalities, one of them is called TFCBT, which is Trauma-Focused Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And how does that come into play?
1: It may sound counterintuitive to some adoptive and foster parents. They don't wanna talk about all the bad things that have ever happened to their kid. I would love to think no child ever experienced these horrible pains, but the reality is they have. The TFCBT walks them through that process so that they have a safe place to talk.
0: Because this is what helps them be whole. Otherwise, if they have that trauma and have to compartmentalize it, And then pretend with their adoptive parents that it didn't happen. Uh, I don't even want to imagine what impact that kind of denial would have on them 10, 20 years down the road.
1: Exactly. And kids are so intuitive to us as caregivers and parents. If they see it's really uncomfortable and painful for us, they just won't do it. And that's okay. That's why there's mental health professionals. I often told parents, whatever you do, don't do the shock and awe. A kid says this happened and you're like, oh my gosh, and you cry. Because as painful as that is, if you react so emotionally charged, they're like, whoa, that was way too upsetting for mom or dad to handle. So I'm just never going to bring that up again. Then that, like you said, doesn't give them the opportunity. And there's healing in talking about what happened. We don't need to live there. We don't need to talk about it every day. But let them kind of set that stage.
0: There's such a cool quote on the website of Spirit Reigns. And it says, trauma is common but its effects don't have to be and that reminds me that that event happened once in your life but you don't have to keep reliving it you can from a different perspective look back on it and continue to integrate it in a healthy way
1: i love the word integrate I, i love that because that's exactly what it is kids don't understand why they do the things they do especially kids with trauma Providing them an opportunity to understand why they react the way they do. But now here's a different way. You're not ignoring what happened, but you're better understanding it. There are better ways to cope with it and react differently.
0: That's the way that I was taught. It's really about that integration and not having these parts that are cut off from yourself. That disintegration, because that's a really painful way to live.
1: And it has a way of sneaking up on you one way or another if you don't have an opportunity to process it. And there's some horrible outcomes for unprocessed trauma, substance use, and a whole system of bad choices. Yeah.
0: Well, Carrie, thank you so much for sitting down with me. And is there anything else that you'd like to share? It's been an honor to be
1: here. I would just encourage parents or anyone who's loving a child who's had a difficult path that mental health services are great. Nutrition, exercise, and sleep are great. But the number one gift for a child is a loving, nurturing relationship. Know that you're doing good things.
0: Thank you so much, Carrie. Oh, my honor. My honor. Spirit Reigns believes that, in these challenging times, offering a supportive space and the opportunity for connection is the most meaningful way they can serve the surrounding Austin area. Their new Equine Connections program is offering one-hour, in-person ranch experiences with their equine professionals and horses. It's free, although donations are welcome. This experience promotes emotional stability for teens and caregivers struggling with the widespread isolation caused by COVID 19. Participants will enjoy a sense of connection with nature, the people around them, and themselves by engaging in mindful interactions with their horses. These warm conversations with equine professionals and a spirit of play and curiosity at the ranch can make all the difference. To learn more, go to spiritrains.org. Under services, click on equine connections. Welcome to the bonus segment of my podcast, Your Truth Revealed. Here, I want to highlight specific points from my interview with Carrie Cooper and problems teens face today. Did you know that the word teenager didn't come about in America until the 1920s? Today, teens are facing problems that are unique to our time, and here are 10 common problems they face. One of the main problems is acceptance. This is something that many of us struggle with, but it's especially difficult for teens due to their lack of life experience and limited perspective. The second is stress. Most teens feel as though they're under a lot of pressure from school, their parents, and even their peers, This can cause ongoing patterns of stress that can seem never-ending. Teaching them how to cope and simplify their life can help. The next three go hand-in-hand. Depression and anxiety, self-harm, and bullying. These are major obstacles that our teens can face that feed into one another. Bullying from peers primarily on social media, is becoming more common as the number one cause for depression, anxiety, and self-harm. This is not to say that bullying is the only cause for depression and anxiety. Desensitization is another factor. Being numb to sex, drugs, and violence can cause teens to believe these things are normal. This is why we must take a stand to provide teens with a healthier perspective. This is especially important when it comes to sex. The prevalence of dangerous sexual behavior has exploded in recent years. Communicating to your teen about safe sex is key. This is where trust and respect come into play. Many teens don't feel they can turn to their parents for advice, leaving them vulnerable. There's also this confusion between standing up for what they believe in versus simply disrespecting authority. It is our job to encourage them to talk and communicate with us or another trusted adult, like a counselor. But what experts are seeing the most, especially in the midst of this pandemic, are teens who struggle with motivation. It seems they are having a hard time finding the confidence to move forward. We can help them make and achieve their goals. We can also help them set boundaries. As Carrie mentions, teen girls especially can have a difficult time setting boundaries with others. They can be passive on the one hand by going with the flow and not sticking up for themselves. And they can be aggressive on the other hand by being forceful and even bullying. These teens can learn how to be assertive, which is communicating directly when working with horses. This is the only type of communication that the horse will effectively respond to. Simply put, being a teenager is difficult. Dr. Renee Rogers and I discussed the stage of adolescence in episode 9. The teenager's sense of self is ruled by their needs and wishes, and the needs and wishes of others are relevant only to the extent that they support those of the teen. Essentially, the person and others inhabit two separate worlds— which can make parental and peer relationships challenging. Adding academic pressure on top of this can make the teen's life exceedingly stressful. On a positive note, mental health awareness is growing among teens. It's important for all teens to remember that they won't stay stuck and things will get better. One important method that Carrie uses with her teen clients is bias perception. This is an effective skill for all of us to use, and for example, if you have the negative belief that you are forgetful, you will look for any evidence to support that. Anytime you forget something, you ingrain that negative belief even deeper. If, on the other hand, you let go of this negative belief, when you forget something, you allow it to just be. When you tune into positive perceptions about yourself, life is much easier. Make sure to check out the show notes, there are great resources there. In episode 27, I sit down with pharmacist Don Kim to discuss pharmaceuticals. Learn how to make better decisions about prescription drugs and your overall healthcare.
1: The mind and the body function as one. Always, there is no disconnect between the mind and the body. To maintain a healthy brain, a healthy mood, to be aware of what's going on in your body will serve you so much more than relying only on medication. These drugs are awesome, and they've saved countless lives. In the past, when we didn't have these medications, people would treat themselves with alcohol and other drugs to self-medicate. People need to know that these medications can open the door to changing their lives.
0: Until next time, please subscribe and rate the show. Also, tune in to season one for more on unleashing your physical and mental health potential. I'm Erica Marku. Thank you for listening.